If I were to ask you the question of uh, if your child obeyed you 50% of the time, would you call your child obedient? Now, for you to frame this question even better, uh, what would you expect me to say if you asked me if my child obeyed me 50% of the time, do I have an obedient child? Uh, okay, maybe you don't have kids in here, maybe you have a dog. If I ask you the question, hey, if your dog obeyed you 50% of the time, would you go out and tell people that your dog was obedient? You'd probably tell me no, or hopefully if you have a good discernment, you're going to tell me your child, uh, your dog, your pet, uh, only obeying what I have to say 50% of the time is not an obedient dog. Now, take it a little further. Uh, If 50% of the time, that is in a year, basically six months out of the year, your dog uh, did not potty outside, it pottied inside. Now, would you say that this dog was obedient and was trained and was listening? You would say, no, you wouldn't. But it's so interesting in our Christian faith, uh, we're so uh, easy on ourselves when it comes to being obedient to God. Uh, Many times you hear uh, in your New Year sermon, because that's what this is, right? You chose a great place to be on January the 2nd, because here we are in a brand new year, worshiping Christ together. And you'll often hear sermons like this, uh, what area in your life do you need to surrender to God this year? Well, we're going to look at a passage in Matthew 7. You can go ahead and flip open there. Matthew 7 uh, will be in the pericope of uh, verses 24 through 27. That's where we're going to sit. But what I uh, want to posit to you this morning isn't what area in your life uh, would you submit to God. Uh, The question is, is do you submit to God? Right? Uh, And that's the the question I was asking you, saying, uh, if your dog obeyed you 50% of the time, would you call that dog obedient? And you would say, No, right? You're not looking at your dog and saying, hey, what areas in your life do you need to obey me more in this year? You look at the dog and you say, you need to obey me, period, right? And this is the problem that many of us Christians have because we'll always say, well, there's this one area that I've never been able to submit to God, or there's a couple of areas in my life that I've just never been able to give to the Lord. Uh, And, you know, in this culture, in this area, people will kind of look at you and nod and say, well, that's good that you're keeping those things in mind. But the Bible has something entirely different to say. The Bible says either you're obedient or you're disobedient. The Bible says if you've broken one of the laws uh, of the commandments, of the Ten Commandments, you're guilty of five of them? No, all of them. So in the Bible, the only only dichotomy, I guess the only uh, division here is that I am either obeying God or I am disobeying God. And it's important for us in 2022... And I hope that you finally enjoy, hopefully you're, you're there sitting enjoying the fact that a pastor isn't trying to, you know, give you a pep talk and a cheerleading talk to get you through 2022. Because a pep talk didn't get you through 2019, and a pep talk did not get you through 2020, did it? And a pep talk isn't going to get us through 2022, because I'm not going to sit up here and say, this, this year is going to be amazing. This year, everything that you've ever dreamed of in your whole life is going to come true in 2022 if you will just blank. That's not what I'm going to tell you. Actually, what I'm going to tell you this morning is it's unrelenting obedience to the words of Christ is the indispensable tool for any Christian, for any Christian who calls himself a repentant Christian, someone who's turned from their sins and trusted in Christ. It is the unrelenting obedience to the very words of Christ 
that is going to get us to confidently move forward in 2022. It's the only thing. It's not 50% of the time or 60% of the time. It's saying, I submit my life to Christ, and that's it, period. Not, well, there's a couple of areas that I just haven't given to him in 22. That, we have to agree this morning that's just called disobedience. Now, believe you me, uh, as I was preparing this sermon, you can ask my wife, I was just stricken and convicted because this truth came and hit me in the face but before it's here hitting you in the face. That I have to say that if there's an area in my life that isn't in submission to Christ, then my life is just not in submission to Christ. Do we understand that this morning? And that's the truth that we're going to find here in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And we have to understand the danger of this. The danger is without the resolve to obey Christ at all times, not just 50% of the time, but at all times, you're going to find yourself continually frustrated with life. And at best, here's the best case scenario for you, at best case scenario is you're going to be nominally nominally committed to God's will. That is this, uh, that you know when you feel good, when life is good, you're going to say, yeah, I, I don't, I'd go to church, I want to be a community, I want to you know, say no to sin, and I want to say yes to righteousness. You know, that's your best case. When life is perfect, that's what you're going to do. But the minute that 2020 hits and 2019 hits and probably the minute that 22 hits you right in the face, you're going to say, Ooh, I can't do this. Maybe next year when life is a little better, I'll, I'll then submit my life to God. And I'm saying that that's your best case scenario. And that's no, that is no Christian would ever say such a thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, at worst, you're going to be fooling yourself into believing you're a Christian when you aren't. What I love about God's word is that it tells us squarely where we stand with God. It says, for those who are obedient to God's will, those are the people who are Christians. Those who just proclaim a, a, uh, a form of godliness, they deny its power, they deny the, the, the working of the Holy Spirit in their life. And by that, what I'm saying is this, they deny the fact that the Holy Spirit calls us to obedience to God. And when our life doesn't match scripture, we say, well, that's, you know, I'm just struggling right now. Well, Scripture makes it clear that it is the people who hear the words of Christ and who obey them who are truly Christians. You see, Matthew 7 is the end of Jesus' most well-known sermon. And you know it as the Sermon on the Mount. That's right, Sermon on the Mount. And there are a couple of verses. Verses 13 through 27 are the very end of Jesus' most popular, most well-known, New York's best-selling sermon ever. And verses 13 through 27 are are the culmination of the end of it. It's really the conclusion. Uh, And it concludes in three warnings. Isn't that great? I mean, it's, it's his most popular sermon ever, but it concludes with three very, very stark warnings for people. Uh, and you'll know them. The first one is the narrow and the wide gate, right? The wide gate is the one that leads to destruction and many will find it, right? It's the narrow road that leads to life and few will find it. I mean, that's the truth that we get in the Bible when it comes to how many people are going to turn from their sins, trust in Christ, and get into heaven, right? Uh, you know, I saw, I saw a, a, a meme, because, you know, as you guys know, Betty White passed away on the 31st, right? And I saw all the golden girls giving each other hugs, and, and right above it, it said, I can't, I love to see the reunion in heaven uh, of all these gals. And in my heart, I was just stricken and convicted, because I'm like, who knows that all these women, every single one of those women made it into heaven, do, I mean, do we really believe as, as Christians that all of these people who have died are going to heaven? I'm not just talking about the Golden Girls. I'm talking about in general. And all the people who have passed away in 20, uh, 2021 and 2020, especially all the celebrities, every single time I see a meme, it's like, oh, I can't wait to see them again in heaven. And I'm saying, the Bible talks that not many people are going. And that's when, in 2022, we've got we've to straighten our minds when it comes to saying, wow, what does it really mean to be a Christian? 
Because this is not going to be an easy year, right? I mean, we, if we can look at the past, just the last couple of years, we can see that this year probably not going to be the roses that we all hope they will every single year. And I think the best thing that we can do is look at truth right square in the eyes and say, how are we going to get through 2022? Uh, number one, it's together. But number two, it's by obeying the words of Christ. And the words of Christ say, you know, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few are going to find it. The second warning is the good versus bad fruit. The uh, good versus bad. Uh, you're going to know. Uh, you're going to know a tree by its fruit, right? Uh, the type of tree that it is is going to bear that type of fruit, and no Christian is going to be bearing bad fruit. Is is the culmination of this? Uh, it's not. Hey, sometimes I bear bad fruit, and I just need to, you know, turn and stop bearing bad fruit in this area, and stop bearing bad fruit in this area. But the Scripture says, if that tree is bearing bad fruit, that is a bad fruit tree, right? And you know what bad, you know what bad fruit does to the rest of the fruit. Spoils it, right? You've had fruit in the kitchen, and you leave some bad fruit in the kitchen with that, and it makes the whole batch bad. Well, it's the same concept here. Uh, you're either a bearer of good fruit or a bearer of bad fruit, right? This isn't a Christian who's 50% of the tree is good, 50% of the tree is bad. What we're saying here is either you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. Either you have good fruit or either you have bad fruit, and that's the second warning. Uh, and the third warning is what we're going to jump into. And I just want to reread it because I want to center our minds here on Jesus gave all of these ethics. And they weren't just ethics, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. They're not just ethics of, hey, you know, you should ascribe to this and, you know, you would just be just a better person if you subscribe to these things. What Jesus did was lay down the foundation of said, hey, this is the new creation. This is the new people of God. These are going to be the new covenant people. And these are the expectations that I'm laying out for you. And that's what he says in verses or chapters 5, 6, and 7. And this is the warning he gives. Either you're going to go down this narrow way that's not easy, it's very really difficult. Uh, either you're going to bear good fruit, either you're going to obey me, or you're going to go through the wide gate, uh, you're going to bear bad fruit, and you're going to disobey me. Right? Those are the only two options moving into 2022 for all of us. And the good news for the Christian is this is great news, because I don't have to figure out my New Year's resolution. It's right here, right? I don't have to wonder what is good and what is holy and, and what is proper for me to pursue in 2022 because the Bible is clear on exactly what that is for us. But let's read Matthew 7, 24. It says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the flood came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who bear, uh, hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, I want us to understand something as we preach the rest of this sermon. As you hear it, as you're writing notes, we've got to understand there's a duality in this parable uh, that we get to see the consequences, the positive consequences and the negative consequences of disobedience, right? So we're going to, as my mother used to say growing up, it's not all consequences are bad. You know, when you always hear the word consequence, you always think, well, you're about to get a whooping, or you're about to get grounded, or about to get time out. Well, there's a lot of good consequences, right? And we're going to learn some good consequences, but we're also going to learn the bad consequences. Well, that's the first duality that we're going to learn uh, this morning. The second one is this. Uh, when the Bible talks in parables, especially as, as Christ is talking about the parables in the Gospels, they're always talking about salvation. Right? You need to understand that when the Bible is talking about parables, it has a message about salvation. 
It's not always about, hey, here's how to be, it's not about who's, here's how to be a good person, here's, uh, here's some tricks up, up my sleeve that I can teach you, that you can, you know, uh, conform some areas in your life. When, when Jesus is talking parables, he's saying this is the way that it leads to eternal life. This is how you can be saved. I mean, that's what the parables are. And so what we have to understand is uh, the parables here have a temporal sense and an eternal sense. That is, it has something to say about your life today, but it also has something to say about your life for eternity. So as we look this morning, I want you to look in, in two ways. One, the positive and negative consequences for your temporal and your eternal life. And that's exactly through the lenses that uh, Christ is telling the parable here in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And it starts like this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, what is the main point of this entire, uh, entire uh, pericope here, these, these, three, these three or four verses? Uh, the subject of the whole matter is this one thing, the words of mine. These words of mine. It's not talking about uh, a rock. It's not talking about the storm. It's not, talking about, it's not talking about founding and building your own home. It's not talking about any of those things. This is only talking about one thing, these words of mine. That is this whole message is about these words of Christ and what we're going to do with them. It's the whole thing is about it. It's between knowing and doing. It's between obedience and disobedience. And here's what it says. The one who hears these words of mine and does them. That should convict some of us because we show up to church every Sunday and we hear these words of mine. We hear the words from the scripture. And it, then it says, and does them. Right? Not just the hearers of the word, but the doers of the word. And I mean this for you to take home and say, man, am I just a hearer of the word or am I a doer of them? Because if I'm a doer of them, it says this, I'm going to be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Do you know that word foolish? It comes from the Greek word moros, which is where we get the English word moron. That is literally, that's literally what this is saying. No lie, look it up, all right? Moron. It's like, the one who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a moron, right? Who built his house on the sand. I like that because foolish, you get this kind of like, oh, foolish. That's what the Bible uses. But like legit comes from the word moron, which when you call somebody a moron, it's because they did something really, really, really dumb, right? And that's exactly the picture that we're getting here is like only a moron, right? It's going to get what we should do get the plain picture of exactly how we should do this thing, and they look at it, and they thumbs up, and they walk out, and they do it wrong. You would look at that person and say, what a moron. Okay, you would use that word. You would use the word moron. And that's exactly the picture that we're painting here um, in verse 26. Only, your, only morons are the people who hear the words of Christ and don't do them. Right? And he built his house on the sand. Right? Uh, the the dichotomy here is between obedience and disobedience. It says, am I just going to hear the words of God or am I going to do them? And coming to church every day for the rest of your life is never going to make you a doer of the word. It's you actually doing what Christ says. We try to make things very ethereal. Well, my faith is between me and God, and it's just, it's, you know, God, he leads me how I ought to go, and, and how, you know, it's just, it's just between me and him. I mean, when the Bible talks 
throughout the whole scripture. If it's not, it's about obedience. It's about doing uh, what the word says. And doing is practical. Doing is always visible and understandable and knowledgeable. That's one of the worst things that we get to in in the Christian church today is you can't, don't judge me, don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. What do you mean? It literally says right here, either you're going to hear and do, and you're going to be wise, or you're going to hear and don't do, and you're going to be a moron. Like, I mean, he's literally calling out people who aren't acting on the words of God. And what we've got to do in 2022 is say, I'm going to be the person who is acting on the words of God. And there's a good, there's a good reason for all of this. And I want you to see this sermon as well, both eye-opening and encouraging, because 2022, if it's anything like 2020 and 2021, uh, there's a lot ahead of us that we've got to uh, square up with and approach properly. If we're going to leave this year uh, Looking back, saying, I'm sure glad 2022 happened, and I'm sure glad that I submitted my life to Christ because this was hard. And without the obedience to God's word, I was not going to make it through 2022. And there's a lot of people on that road right this second. And we got to look 2022 in the eyes and say, how are we going to do this together? And the first thing that we need to do is point number one, is we need to evaluate your obedience to Christ. I mean, this is all about where you have placed your trust, because this is what you need to know. Uh, the moron and the wise man are both doing what? They're both building, okay? And you need to know something this morning is we're all building. There is not a single person in this whole room that isn't building right now as we speak. Every one of us in 2022 have just have laid in bed uh, on New Year's Eve and thought, man, what is this year going to look like? What are we going to do this year? I can't wait to see all the things that are going to happen this year. Even in your mind before you get up on New Year's, you're dreaming and you're building in your mind and your dreams of what is possible in 2022, well, what you need to see and what I have to see is that we're all building here, just like the moron and just like the wise men. We're all building, okay? Uh, what we don't understand is how are we building and what's coming and how do we need to build this thing in order for it to stand through 2022. And that's what we need to understand. We've got to evaluate your obedience to Christ because the difference between the wise man and the moron is this. I keep using the word moron because I think it's so much more powerful, right? The moron and the wise man. The difference is this. One of them heard what Jesus had to say and did it. The other one heard what Jesus said and didn't do it. That's the problem. And so for us, we have to evaluate our obedience to Christ, right? And this is how I want you to see this, right? The relationship between just knowing the right foundation and actually building on the right foundation is the difference between being a Christian and not being a Christian. Do you hear that? Right. The difference between knowing the right foundation, I have the directions, they're right here, I have the Bible, it's in my hands, and it tells me, all, it tells me the way I need to live my life, it tells me I need to turn from my sins and trust in Christ, it tells me I need to, you know, to obey the word, it tells me that I need to uh, submit to my parents, it tells me that I need to obey my husband, it tells me that I need to love my wife like Christ loved the church, it tells me that I need to flee sexual immorality, it tells me that I, you know, all these things, it tells me those things. And the difference between knowing those things and doing those things is the difference between not being a Christian and being a Christian. Like this, quite literally, the most uh, practical and actual way that we can say that in Scripture is it's the, the complete difference, right? You either know it or you do it, right? We got to know it and do it, all right? Uh, place I want to turn you, and you're actually there anyway, so just look um, up a couple of verses to Matthew 7.21. It's like a couple of verses up. Here's what's important for us to know when it comes to evaluating your obedience to Christ. Matthew 7, 21 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
Isn't that, that was the scariest verse I think I ever read when I became, I think this is like one of those foundational verses where I said, hmm, uh, that really got me thinking and really put me on that track of uh, turning from my sins and trusting in Christ. When I understood that just because people are calling Christ Lord did not mean that they were saved. All right, this, this verse scared me so much and got me zealous about evangelism, and I hope it does the same to you, because it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but here's the ones who will, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And so what this is a good for you to do is evaluate 2021. Evaluate 2021 and ask yourself, was I doing the will of the Father in 2021? All right, and as we look forward to 2022, you're saying, am I doing the will of the Father right now? Because what the scripture says is those who just say, Lord, Lord, I believe in the Lord. I go to church on Sundays. I've been baptized. I'm, you know, all the, you say, you fill in the blank. All those who do all the things are saying, Lord, 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 Lord. Uh, those people aren't the ones entering the kingdom of heaven. Really, the only people it says that are entering the kingdom of heaven is the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. James 1.22, you don't have to flip there, but at least write it down. John, James 1.22-24 says this. Uh, you need to be doers of the word, James 1, 22 through 24. You need to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So what James is saying is like, if you're only hearing the word and you don't do it, you're actually deceiving yourself. As a matter of fact, I don't know why you're living this way because there's, a, I mean, you can go live out in the world and enjoy the time you have here on earth and go spend uh, all your life on your passions and lusts of the world uh, because you're not getting anywhere if you just think you're going to come in here and listen to the word and not do it. Right? I mean, life can be so much more fun and enjoyable if you just get out there and just let it all go and let it all out because just coming to church and hearing the words isn't going to get you into heaven, right? And so what we have to understand is, hey, just being in here and listening to the word isn't getting you there. It's those who, upon hearing the word, do the word. And for those of you who think, well, isn't that, you know, uh, isn't that good work saves? Isn't, isn't that, you know, just is not what the Bible teaches? You're right. But obedience, the first act of obedience is turning from my sins and trusting in Christ, right? That is called salvation, right? That is called justification. And then everything after justification is called sanctification. And all sanctification is, is you walking in obedience. So yes, your Christian life is all about obedience. Every single step, every way from here to glory is all obedience to God. And the good thing is I don't work myself to God. I can't work myself to God. It's Him bringing me to Him. And when I repent and I trust in Him, I am then justified. Because none of that work that I was going to do between here and glory is ever going to get me there anyway. But what Christ calls me to do, He says, listen, I'm calling you to righteousness. I'm calling you to holiness. And you're going to follow me. And it's those who hear my words and do them who will be justified. It says in verse 23 of John 1, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. We would call that person a, a moron, right? A person who looks in the mirror and like, all right. And they turn around, they're like, what do I look like? You know, I don't remember, right? That would be a moron because no one does that. I mean, we all have an understanding of what we look like. And it's only somebody who hears the word and doesn't do them that would be the one who looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what they look like. <clears throat> Like I said before, this parable isn't the parable of what area in your life do you need to submit to God in 2022. This is not what this is about, right? Uh, the question here is, do you submit to God or do you disobey God? I mean, that's really the question. Do I submit to God or do I disobey God? Right? The question is, is your life in rebellion against God or is it in submission to God? Right? There is no, there's no middle ground here, right? 
It is, do you know the words of Christ or do you do the words of Christ? There isn't a, I can be in the middle. Like, I do it sometimes and I don't do it sometimes, right? Uh, you know, like I said, if your dog potties in the house 50% of the time, you're going to say, this dog has a potty training problem, right? When your child disobeys you 50% of the time, you said, this child has an obedience problem. And your child might say, well, I, yesterday I did what I was supposed to do. I know I didn't the day before, but the day before that I did what I was supposed to do. And you're going to look at them and say, no, like I always say delayed obedience is disobedience. You know what I'm saying? So we got to be obedient every day. It's an unrelenting obedience to Christ, and that's what's going to get us through 2022. <clears throat> I want you to know, remember I told you to put on the lens of temporal and eternal, because this parable is all about today and it's all about eternity. It's about both. Uh, and I want you to understand the temporal and eternal consequences of obedience to God. And they play themselves out here in your, your daily life. And, and here's, here's how it does that. Look at the, the, the beginning of verse 25. The temporal and eternal consequences. Look at verse 25 in Matthew 7. It says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat on that house. Can I tell you something? Verse 25a is talking about the wise person, isn't it? It's talking about the, the one who's obedient, the one who's turned from their sins, the one who's trusted in Christ, the one who's living on the, the narrow path, the one who's bearing good fruit, right? the one who's obeying Christ. So that's who we're talking about. And verse 25a says, Well, the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. You know what we can be sure of in our life as Christians? But there's going to be a lot of storms, and there's going to be a lot of trials, and there's going to be a lot of problems that hit us right in the face. The good thing about Christians is we were wise, and we founded our lives upon the foundation of the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that we returned from our sins and we trusted in him. Therefore, we built our home, our lives, on the foundation of Christ the Lord. Now, because what I'm not going to tell you is in 2022, you just believe in the Lord and sunshine and daisies, 70 degrees, no humidity every day. We're not saying that. Because what happens in verse 25a is the same thing that happens in verse 27a. Look at this. Verse 27a. What does it say? And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. The same thing is happening to both people. We see this. The same thing is happening to both groups of people. Whether you're the wise or whether you're the moron, the same thing is going on. Right? We're all going to come to a day of reckoning. And many of us come to a day of reckoning on a regular basis as Christians because when the storms come, when COVID comes, you know, when lockdowns come, whatever it is, when it comes, when you get COVID and you're laying in bed, when you've lost a loved one uh, because of COVID or because of anything that's happened over the last couple of years, it's a day of reckoning where God looks you straight in the eyes and said, where have you placed your trust? Where have you built your home? Did you build it on the rocks or did you build it on the sand? Because at the end of the day, we're all going to go through storms. And what storms do is storms are a good thing. right? For the saved, storms are a reminder that this is not our home. Isn't that a good thing? Storms in life remind you and I that this world is not our home. And I love, uh, at an early age in my, in my faith, I learned to walk slowly through the storm. Now, here's, here's what I mean by that. I didn't stop and smell the roses. I wanted to get through that thing just as much as anyone else did. But I think one of the biggest problems in our lives is we try to run through storms so much we don't learn the lessons that God asked us to learn in the middle of the storms. 
Okay? And for the saved, the storms are a great reminder that, hey, I don't need to be storing my treasure here because this is what life is. Right? Uh, it's stormy. It's chaotic. There's trials. There's a lot of temptations. There's a lot of problems in this life, and this is not where it's at. God sends storms to, the, for, to Christians to prove to us and show us, hey, much more on the other side of this, much more in the eternal, much more in glory than you're ever going to get here. And storms are a great reminder to tell us this ain't it. Now, for the unsaved, right, for people who aren't saved, storms are a reminder of more to come. Right? So every storm that you face as a non-Christian should stare you right in the face and say, hey, you think this is bad, just wait. Right? If you think this storm is bad, if you think this judgment is bad, you just wait until eternal judgment. You just wait until the storm of God's wrath is poured out on mankind. Every storm for the non-Christian is great. That's the reason I love when people who are non-Christians talk to me when life is bad. Because it's a perfect opportunity for you and me to share the gospel with people who aren't Christians. When life is hard, you, you look at them. You just wait. You think life is hard now. You wait until the wrath of God is being poured out on mankind. That's going to be bad. And every storm in our life is meant to point us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why can, how can you be sustained in 2022? Well, if you're Christian, it's because you're founded upon the truth of Jesus is Lord. Right? If, you're, if you're drowning in 2022 and you're not a Christian, how can you get out? By trusting in Christ in 2022 as your Lord and Savior, by turning from your sins and trusting in Christ. Because that right there is just a foretaste of the judgment that's going to come upon the whole world. And the best thing you can do is look at that little bit of judgment that's going on in the world through uh, trials and through bad things and say, man, that's all I want of that. I don't want any more of that for the rest of my life. And that would be the great opportunity for you to understand that everybody's going through storms and, I don't, and, and if you're a Christian, it's reminding yourself that this is our home. And for the unsaved, it's a reminder that, hey, I don't want to deal with more of this. I'm going to turn from my sins and trust in Christ right now. And to do that, we all need to do this, and it's point number two, is we need to all expect the inevitable storms of life. And, and I put this through the lens of temporal and eternal, remember? Temporal, like, you need to expect the inevitable storms of life, like, you're going to go through something. I've, I've heard it said this way. You're either, you're either leaving a storm, going into a, what is it? Either going into a storm, in a storm, or just leaving a storm. You ever heard that before? That's, it's literally our lives as, as Christians. You know, we're, and I, it's not even just Christians. It's everybody in the whole world. I mean, you're literally in a storm, out of a storm, or going into a storm. It's like you're always in one of those three places. And we have got to expect the inevitable storms of life uh, from a temporal perspective, but also from an eternal perspective, is even as a Christian, we understand that judgment is coming, right? I mean, we, even as Christians, we get to understand that. Now, we understand that, that we'll sit under the Bema seat, and we're going to be rewarded for the, the obedience that, that we have exhibited as Christians, but then there's the great white throne judgment, where the eternal judgment is going to be pronounced on all those people who didn't turn from their sins and trust in Christ, and they're going to be given the recompense, the payment for their deeds, which aren't going to be great, because if you and I got the recompense for our own deeds, we would be in the same seat. But the good news about those who are in the Bema seat, that we get to be given the righteousness of Christ, and we get rewarded upon our obedience to Christ. That's the great news for Christians. But we still have to expect the inevitable storms of life, and we need to see that as an eternal truth, but also as a very present truth right now. And I say that uh, because Matthew 5.45, which is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, says this, Matthew 5.45, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Did you see how that? Did you see that? It doesn't matter who you are. Like, the, the rain's coming. The storms of life are coming. He's going to send rains on the just and the unjust. But here's the person who expected the storm and prepared for it. 
Uh, it's the parallel verse to this found in Luke 6.48. Write that down, Luke 6.48. It says this, The wise man is like the one who was building a house, who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke against that house, it could not shake it because it had been well built. Did you hear that? Right. What we got to understand is uh, when the storms are coming, we got to prepare for the storms. And that's what we've got to do as Christians in 2022 is this right now, if, if you're in a lull in life, and by lull I mean nothing really crazy is happening right now, it's time to get to work. It's time to prepare because what we know for sure is the storms are coming. And so what are we going to do today to prepare for the storm that's coming tomorrow? All right. We've got to prepare for the ups and downs. And here's a couple of ways you can do that. All right, number one is study the Bible. Right? If you want to be founded on the, on the foundation on the solid rock of the truth of Christ, you're only finding it in the Bible. You're not going to find it on Google. Right? You're not going to find it through philosophy. You're only going to find it in the words of God. And that's why here at Compass Bible Church, we just preach the Bible. We do a daily Bible reading. We give you tools because we want to make sure that one thing you're doing is just studying the Bible. Number two, when it comes to expecting the storms of life, you need to hunker down with community. I mean hunker down. You know, that is a, one of the beautiful things about the faith that we get to share together is it's, it's a common faith. Uh, the scripture calls it a koinonia, which is the Greek for the word fellowship and a participation. The good news is, for Christians, we don't do this life alone. The bad news for our generations that are now here on earth is, you know what the one thing people are dealing with more than anything? Depression, anxiety, and isolation. Do you know the three things that are the antithesis of Christianity? Depression, anxiety, and isolation. Those are the opposite of what it means to be a Christian. Because to be a Christian means I'm in fellowship, I'm trusting in the Lord, and I'm walking by faith. It's literally the exact opposite of what a Christian should be doing opposed to what the world's dealing with. We live in the perfect atmosphere, in the perfect environment as Christians to live completely radically different lives than everyone around us. And if we're going to do that, we got to be hunkering down with community. That's when life gets hard. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to latch on to community. I'm not going to leave community. And I've preached on this multiple times, but so many of us in this world, we spend more of our time when life gets hard. We say, ah, I can't be at life group this week because, you know, things are just rough. And I'm going to, I say this, and if you call me and tell me this, I'll look at you and say, that's why you need to go to life group, moron. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, wouldn't, I would not call you a moron. Okay. But that is the point. Uh, the fact is, like, you got to understand that hunkering down when life is hard is, is what it means to be Christian. Hunkering down with community, with your brothers and sisters. And the third one is you need to submit to accountability. Right? And that is the hardest thing. My wife and I were even just talking about this, that this week. It's so hard to submit to accountability because you'll be known. Right? You'll, you won't be known how... The problem is you'll be known, but not how you wish to be known. But you'll be known for who you truly are. And that's a problem from all of us because none of us want to be known for who we truly are. We want to kind of lead people to what we want them to know about us, right? We want to put our makeup on, you know, we want to get our beard trimmed real well, you know. We want to walk out every day and be like, this is how I look when I wake up in the morning, all right? But the truth is, our Christian faith doesn't allow room for that, right? We are accountable to one another as Christians, and it doesn't look pretty, right? But it is how we prepare for the storms of life. Because it's when you hit the storm in life and you put your arm around your brother or your sister and you say, hey, you know what I'm dealing with. And you're like, yes, I know what you're dealing with. We've talked about this. Let's work on this together. And you're not, as a storm is coming, breaking the news to your life group for the first time that you've been dealing with all this sin and all this despair in your life. And everyone looks at you like, I thought you, I thought you were perfect. You were, I thought you were perfect, you know? 
Accountability is so important when it comes to dealing with the storms of life, and it means you have to share life with people. That's why we push life groups, and that's why you have to show people who you truly are. Right? You can't be trying to hide who you are because that doesn't help in the storm. What the storms do is they blow off all the falseness and all the fakeness, and they show you who you truly are. As you look at the last couple of verses here, we have to realize, and this is something I think the younger generation deals with more than most of us, but we all do because we're all fallen, right? We have to realize that our decisions dictate actual outcomes in our lives, right? Do you hear me? Like, your decisions dictate actual, true outcomes in our lives. And some of you in here are like, duh, but then some of you in here are like, that's good. I never heard that before, right? What decisions you make dictate real outcomes. And here's, here's where I'm going to go. Um, go to... Let's go to verse 25b, the second half of verse 25. Right, we're talking about the wise man who built his house on, don't, not confused with the wise men that we were talking about a couple weeks ago, just to clarify, these aren't the same wise men. These are completely, <laughs> completely different wise men, all right? Just in case you were, had a question mark there, all right? All right, but we have the wise man who built his house on the rock. Here's what happened, verse 25b. His home did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Now, flip, o- flip over, I shouldn't say flip over, kind of move down to 27b, the last verse of 27, or the last part of 27. The, the moron, the foolish guy, his house, it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, this, I want you to zoom in right here. Right? Legitimately, the actual, I'm going to use the word actual, okay? the actual obedience to the actual words of Christ led to the actual consequences that actually happened in their actual lives right now. Did you, did you understand that? Like, legitimately, what they decided to do with the words of God actually came out to the consequences that each of them are dealing with right now. And I know we're all going to go through storms, and this is the problem with, uh, with, with, with our world, especially with 80% of Americans saying they're Christians, right, is this. They're like, we're all going through storms, and your life just, you get hit by a storm, and I get hit by a storm, and your life looks like a wreck, and your home is gone uh, because it was founded on the sand. But, you, but we all make the excuse of saying things like, well, it was just a storm. You saw it happen. I can't believe this happened to me. All these things happen. And then, like, you, I won't use me. I'll use my wife, who's just a godly gal who's pursuing the Lord. And I walk over to my wife's house, and her house looks great. And I'm like, well, y'all both went through the same storm, but her house looks nice, and yours just fell down. And I'm going to say, they, it's because of the actual obedience that you had to actually build your house the way that God actually called you to build it, and it's in obedience. And that's why what we should do when storms hit us and our life collapses, we don't need to, like so many Christians, do what we call deconstruction. And this may be new to your mind, but what deconstruction is, it's this new thing that's going on. Uh, I shouldn't say new, it's been going on since the mid-1900s, but it's super popular now, especially with the young people. We get to this place in life where we're like, yeah, I just have all these questions that have gone unanswered about my faith, and I'm just going to deconstruct everything I believe, and then what I'm left with is it's got to be the truth. I'm like, that's called tearing your house down. And when you're left with a whole bunch of confusing nails and screws and boards, that's what you're left with. Yeah, that's confusing because there's no house there, right? What we got to do is build it according to the way God has called us to build it and allow it to withstand the storms of life. And when we don't build our house properly and we don't walk in obedience properly and a storm comes and it tears up our house, we point our finger at God and say, God, why did you do that? Because he said he was going to. It's called the storm. It's going to rain on everybody's parade, okay? It's going to rain everywhere, right? It's how you built your house, right? When your house falls, it was on you, not on God. 
How you build your house is based on your obedience to what God's Word says. The beautiful thing about Scripture is you and I, we can all have the same house when it comes to how sturdy it is. The problem is many of us don't. Some of us have houses that withstand storms. Some of us have houses that will not. And what I'm saying is you need to do a lot of examination, which we're going to do in a little bit through the Lord's Supper. You need to examine yourself because if your house will not stand in a storm, you are what Scripture calls the disobedient one, which we say there is no half in, half out. I'm either obeying Christ, which calls me a Christian, or I'm disobeying Christ, which calls me a non-Christian. That's what Scripture says, not me, the Bible. And in 2022, what we got to do is realize, man, am I a Christian or am I not? Like, am I, who am I? Because that's the most important question I can answer in 2022 is, am I saved or am I not? I mean, that's what's going to help me get through 2022, right? Not working out four days a week for the next 52 weeks and ruin that on January 8th, okay? It's actually understanding, hey, who am I? Who is God? And how, what, who do I say he is? And that's what I need to do. Whew. You know, and this is something I want to say. Can you continue building on this idea that, yes, everyone ha- everyone's religious, you realize. I mean, everybody's religious. I don't think I've met a non-religious person in my whole life. Uh, and so what I mean by that is all our houses look religious, you, you understand. When, when we look at everyone's house, we're like, yeah, these all look like Christian homes. Uh, a Christian home is the one that after the storm hits, it's still there. Right? And we have to understand and look at that as it truly is because the problem is all the houses look religious. It's the storm that determines whose house is built on the words of Christ and whose isn't. Um, and what you're going to notice here is you're going to see the disobedient person, uh, his house fell. Right? The obedient person's house, it's standing. And here's the good news for us. Uh, one of those houses, the people in that houses, they fell at the call of repentance. You hear me? One house fell at the call of repentance. The other one fell when it came to judgment. And what I'm trying to say is this. Like, we're all going to fall, you hear me. Like, you and I, we're all, everyone, everyone on earth, we're all going to fall. And you're either you're going to fall on your knees at repentance, at trusting in Christ, or you're going to fall at the judgment of God. As a matter of fact, that's what Romans 10, uh, 14, 10 through 12 says. It says this, For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. The great things about the storms of our lives is they tell us, hey, where are you at when it comes to examining yourself in the area of your obedience to God? Like when you, when a storm hits your life and a storm passes and your home is in contact and everything's looking good, you're like, hey, this was good. This is exactly what it was supposed to look like. This is good because you realize in one day, we're all going to have to give an account to God for all that we've done. And when we have a house that stays standing after a storm, that's one of those good mile markers. We can put a flag down and say, all right, I've made it this far. I'm going to keep going. All right. And when a storm comes and blows your house over, you can look at that. And it can also be a flag marker. Bam. This is how not to live life. Okay. And God says, trust me. Turn from your sins, trust in me, we're going to go build this thing again, but we're going to do it on the right foundation. That's the good news. This is all good news, right? I mean, this is all really, really good news. Hmm. You know, although all people in life experience chaos and trials, do you know, not all people experience God's desired outcomes for their life. Do you know that? We're all experienced trials, we all experience chaos, but not everyone gets to experience the desired outcome for their life. And for those who, who trust in Christ, for those who build their home on the, on the rock, on the, on the solid foundation of, of the understanding of who Christ is and doing his words, they get to do this, and it's point number three. Uh, they get to experience the outcome of obedience. 
And this is the beautiful thing. Uh, because I know you guys have seen some storms coming through. Y'all saw the, the, the tornado that hit up there in Missouri and uh, Kentucky and that area. Uh, you see the, the um, hurricanes that go through every single year. And you see the absolute destruction that they put forth. And you, after the storm is over and everything is falling over, everyone stops and looks and they see everything is tattered and, and broken. And then they have to stop their lives and they have to spend their whole time rebuilding what they have lost. And what I'm saying is, as Christians, when those storms hit us, they get to pass. We look at our home and say, hey, everything's good. And I keep living my life in obedience. See, that's a good thing. When I say embrace the outcome of obedience, the outcome of obedience for the Christian who has built their house on a solid foundation is this, that after the storm hits, my life isn't in shambles. Like, my life isn't so confusing and disoriented, you know, when COVID hit and everyone's like, what is life? What do I do? You know, it's like you're like, you become your own philosopher, you know, and you're like, well, what is life? You know, the Christian said, this is biblical. I mean, it's just life, right? I mean, this is just what happens, right? God promised these things were going to happen, right? I mean, for the non-Christian, they're like, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Can I be locked up in my house? Can I do this? You know, and it's like, well, I can't die because I don't know what's going to happen after death. So I got to do everything I can from here on out to not die. And the Christian's like, I'm going to keep living my life the same way that I've always been living my life. Am I, am I going to listen to the law? Yeah. Am I going to listen to what the government says? Yeah. And as much as it is obedient to God's word, yes, I'm still going to do all those things. But it's with the understanding in my mind that I'm saying this, this isn't changing the way I walk. I'm still walking in obedience. I still understand God's will in my life, and I'm going to walk in obedience. So after this whole storm's over, the Christian's going to look at their house and say, looking pretty good, all right? And they're just going to keep walking. And so many people after this pandemic, after 2020 and 2021, are going to be sitting here in 2022 said, what do I do with this big mess? You know, I don't know how to fix all this. Well, God does. And that's why he sent his son, that whoever would turn from their sins and trust in him would have eternal life. Their homes would now be forevermore built on the solid rock of Christ. Isn't this just good news? I mean, this is only bad news to people who don't want to build their house on the rock. I mean, this is only bad news to one kind of people. But for all of us, it's good news. Because we can make it through 2022 because we're going to experience the outcome of obedience. Maybe some of us didn't obey God every single day and some of our shingles need to be replaced or our windows are leaking. Good, we'll fix those things. All right? But at the end of the day, when I look at my house, it is preserved because I have obeyed God. Isaiah 26.3 says this, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. You trust someone because you're in obedience to someone. Right? You know this when your dog, who does not pee and potty in your house 50% of the time, uh, you tell that dog to come here, and it comes here. Right? When the storm outside happens, and it's thundering and lightning, your dog jumps on the couch with you and lays down and put its head on your lap. Why? Because that dog trusts you, and its mind is stayed on you, and therefore that dog has peace because it obeys you and is in your will. Right? You know, back in the day, they would, your dog would be outside with the storm, and they knew exactly where they stood with you. Okay, can't do that anymore. It's illegal, okay? But we, as Christians, can experience the outcome of obedience through trusting in Christ, founding our foundation and our building on the rock of Christ, and being in perfect peace through the storm because we know who pre- preserves our life. But it all comes down to who we say Christ is, right? And, it, and that's really what Matthew 16, 13 through 18 says. Um, Jesus talks to the disciples, and he says this, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? He's talking to himself. 
Uh, he's talking about himself, not to himself. Uh, and they said, some say you're John the Baptist, which he died already, had his head cut off. So others say you're Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them in verse 15, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. You remember what that meant, right? The Messiah, the one to come, the one who is going to save the world from their sins. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. What a pronouncement. Right? What a pronouncement about a, a, a person that you are the Christ, Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Catholic Church has this wrong, right? This, this, this scripture, right? Uh, Peter comes from the Greek Petros, which is rock, okay? And so what Christ is saying, like, you're Peter, and on this rock, what rock? Well, it's not Peter the rock, right? It's on this rock of the proclamation that Peter made about Christ, and the rock is, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the rock that Jesus was saying. And he's saying, it's on that rock, that pronouncement of the truth of my existence, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, on that rock, I'm going to build my church, I'm not going to build my church on the, on, on the shoulders of Peter. We, I don't want to be founded on a church by Peter. We, Peter sinned. I mean, you see an ax, and Peter can't even be seen with Gentiles, right? You know, and Peter, and he, not, that's beside the point. But we get the point here. Like, to, for Jesus to say, Peter, you're the culmination of all of my church planning, and on you, you're going to be the founder and the, the progenitor of all the church. Like, that's such a, a lame way to look at the, the Bible and, and church planning. As a matter of fact, it says this. On, the, on this rock, on that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, that's how I'm going to build my church. And you know what's not going to happen? The gates of hell will not prevail against a church that is founded on me as Christ the Lord, the Son of the living God. Now I say that because that's the rock that we all need to be built on in 2020, 2022. 2020, 2022. Well, yeah, 2022. Right, we all have to be founded on that foundation, that rock. And so if you're in here and you never trusted in Christ and you're like, well, I've built my whole life on the sand. And I know that because over the last two years, uh, I look at my foundation and all that sand has been washed away and it's been moved and I am literally sitting in shambles. Well, I'm going to say today is the day of salvation for you. If you would turn from your sins and you would trust in Christ, you would then now build for the rest of eternity on the foundation of Christ the Lord. Now, you know, we're building a church, you and I, Compass Bible Church in the hill country. And we're in this particular building, and it's got a fine foundation, but it's not the foundation that we're always going to be on, you realize. I mean, even practically speaking, we're moving to a different foundation in the next coming months. Uh, and the reason this sermon, I picked this sermon, and you may not believe this to be true, because I wanted this to be an encouraging sermon. <laughs> Right, I wanted this to be a sermon where we mounted up in 2022 and we said, I'm not doing anything outside of what is obedient to Christ. And I'm not going to do anything in 2022 that doesn't build God's church. Because we see here that Christ, in verse 18, says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. I mean, he could have said anything. He could have said, I'm going to make everyone's lives better. I'm going to found uh, the Salvation Army. I'm going to build a hospital. I'm going to dig a well. I mean, he could, have, he said all, he could have said any of those things, right? I mean, could, any of those good philanthropic things in the whole world, Jesus could have said at this moment, right? But he said the most important thing that we're going to do is this. We're going to build God's church, Right? And that, for us, as we move into 2022, that's our entire, our entire existence as Christians is to build God's church. Is it to get the biggest building with the fanciest windows? And the, no, no. We're going to build God's church, which means we're going to reach people for Christ. Right? We're going to 
teach people to be like Christ, and we're going to train people to serve Christ. That's what I mean by building God's church. And the goodness and the provision that God has given us in 2022 is we have a place that is being prepared right now that will be our headquarters for ministry for the next 10, 15 years that we can have seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And do y'all want to see a little bit of what that's going to look like? You do? You want to see a little bit? All right. Well, I'm going to show you. But you have to promise, right? You got to promise me that what we're going to do is we're going to build this church on the sure foundation of Christ the Lord, right? Everything that we do is going to be built on that foundation. We're not doing anything that isn't in direct obedience to God. Churches build themselves on a lot of things, and that's why a lot of churches fall. They build it on people. They build it on leaders. They build it on, uh, on, on philanthropic ideas and philosophies, and we're going to do none of that. We're building it on one thing, and it's Christ. But I want to show you a little bit of what we can look forward to in 2022 as a church. This right here is going to be the building that we're going to move into in just a few short months. All right. This place is where we, you and I, get to headquarter the ministry of Compass Bible Church for the next 5, 10, 15 years, as long as God will have us in this space. And this is what you're going to be able to call home at Compass Bible Church. We're going to have a great lobby. What's that lobby is the size of this room right here. Okay, and So where you're sitting is going to be where you get to hang out when we get there to do partners, to drink coffee, uh, to come and do discipleship, to spend time fellowshipping throughout the week. And then we have this wonderful auditorium that God has just provided us in this building right here. We get to put over 400 adults in one room. Isn't that going to be great? Come on, look at this thing. And all this right here, everything you're seeing is being worked on as we speak. We have the permits, we have our subcontractors are starting to get scheduled out because it's the new year and everyone's getting back to work. And, and this is what we can look forward to in 2022 as we begin getting excited about reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And the good news of, the, of, of what we get to be a part of is that God has blessed us as a church plant. It's just a couple of months old that we get an actual building. Do you know how long it takes some church plants to get into a place they can have every single day? And we don't only just get a building, we get that. Isn't that amazing? Right? I mean, that's what we get to do ministry in, and that's what I'm telling you, and, and this is what I'm reminding myself over and over again, is it's called a stewardship. Right? And we realize that with great responsibility right, on our part becomes a great expectation on our part from God. Right? When he gives us something, he expects us to use it. And this is what I told somebody the other day. I said, you know, uh, this building was uninhabitable when it came to being a church. You know, and now when we move into that thing in a couple months, it's going to be the perfect space for a church building. And if we're not going to use it, and if we're not going to fill it up, and if we're not going to make disciples, God would be very happy to skedaddle us along, get us out of there, and put a church in there who will. Because now it's more useful for a church than it's ever been in the history of the existence of that building. And God wants to use that place right there to make disciples. And so we get a choice in obedience today. Are we going to be the church that moves into this place and is good stewards of what God has given us? Are we going to just get it set up looking pretty for another church to come in there? Because I promise you something, there are churches in this city that need space, and we're one of them. But we need to be one of those churches that continue building God's church. And we're going to do that through this building here. And here's a couple more pictures for you. Isn't that it's a beautiful outside of that building? Isn't that great? That is, none of those are my cars. I couldn't afford any of those cars. And this is going to be a lobby. And I, I want to tell you guys, there's a little bit of difference between what we're going to do and maybe what you're used to. This lobby is going to be open all week long. 
Right? Uh, this lobby is going to be a place where you can come and spend time taking people through partners, doing discipleship, doing Bible study, doing meetings with people. This place isn't just going to be, hey, you can come on Wednesday nights and Sundays. Those front doors are going to be open every single day during the week and on Sunday, twice on Sunday. Isn't that what they say? All right. We're going to have this place open where you can come and do life together with your church family. And we want to always have this place open and available for people who want to use it. Uh, that right there is a very nice rendering of what a coffee shop would look like. And we're eventually going to have a coffee shop in there. We already have the kitchen being put together. We're going to have a place where you can come, order some coffee, sip on some coffee, do partners, do discipleship, have community together. And you get to do it at your home church. Think about this. The opportunity for you to have meetings with people who maybe don't even know Christ. And you say, hey, I'd like you to meet me at my church. And they're going to say, I don't know. I'll get you coffee. All right, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Okay. You have the opportunity to be that disciple-making person at our church, and we want to give you the environment and the opportunity to make that happen. And we have this facility there that you see on the screen. We can fit about 110, 115 chairs in here. We can fit about 400 in there. Okay, so what I'm saying is we have two services now. We want to keep two services when we move in there. And so if that's the case, we've got a lot of work to do, don't we? All right, we need to be inviting our neighbors. No more excuses that you're going to be rubbing shoulders every time you sit down. Right? We're going to have a place with ample space to steward for the proclamation of the gospel, for the stewardship that we get to make disciples in New Braunfels. There's your final picture, just another angle of what we can be looking forward to in the coming year. Now, I want, you to, I want you to put all this in, in one package, right? That, that we have a responsibility of obedience in our own lives when it comes to the storms coming, when it comes to even all the good things that we see coming like this building and this facility and us uprooting from this temporary facility and going to a permanent place that we get all week long. These are all good and great things, but they're all for naught if we're not going to obey the commandments of the Lord. If we're not going to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that He has commanded us. If we're not going to do those things, this building isn't going to do any good for us. It's just going to be an empty building that's going to be useless. But when we would submit our lives to Christ, go make disciples, that building is going to be a useful tool, a useful instrument for making disciples in the hill country for decades to come. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to partner with us. Let's partner together. Let's go have this koinonia, this mutual fellowship of going and reaching people for Christ, sharing the gospel with people, bringing them to church so they can sit under the teaching of God's word so we can be that church in 2022. We're not gonna, maybe we're not known for having the, the, the prettiest pastor, right, for the best worship music, uh, maybe not because we you know, have the biggest clothes pantry, food pantry in the world, but because we have led the most people to Christ of any church in the area. That's what we, I hope we're known for. The church that says we just unapologetically preach the gospel, love each other, and live in community. That's what my desire and prayer is for our church. Now, when you walked in, you got a uh, element, and you can take those out now. Um, these elements are so important because there are so many factors of, of what these elements uh, portray for the Christian faith, okay? And to go work backwards to forwards, is the end of the idea of communion is this, that we are examining ourselves. Actually, I want to bring up a scripture to you. In, in 1 Corinthians 11, it says this, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. 
Okay, so that is, if you are not a Christian, because right, you're not worthy to drink or to eat the bread or drink the cup, if you're not a Christian. So if you've never turned from your sins and trusted in Christ, this is a moment for you to stop, right, to do two things. Number one, uh, go ahead and hide that, put it in your pocket, and usher will come get it later, maybe put it down under your chair, because if you're not a Christian, uh, you are the unworthy person who would be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord if you drink the cup of the Lord and eat the bread uh, without being a Christian. And so that's the first thing. This is the first communion that we've ever taken as a church. Isn't that amazing? This is it, and we get to take it on the first Sunday of January. This is going to be really good. All right, but we got to understand, this is for Christians, right? I don't know, maybe in another church you did it differently, maybe it was, but the Bible teaches that Christians take the Lord's Supper. And we, and the Christians take the Lord's Supper uh, because this is a time of remembrance. Christ says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me, okay? And if you didn't get one, if you haven't got one and you want to take uh, the Lord's Supper, just raise your hand, one of our ushers will come and give you one. Uh, but what the Lord's Supper is, is it's for us to remember the bodily sacrifice, the blood that was spilt uh, on our behalf that Christ spilt on the cross. This is a time for us to examine our lives, say, have we been in obedience to God? Have we been submitting our lives to God since the last time we've taken the Lord's Supper? So think back from the last time you've taken the Lord's Supper to right now and ask yourself, have I obeyed God? Have I been obedient, in obedience to God? Because here's, here's the warning here. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and the and drinks judgment on itself. So this is, when you're not, when you don't examine yourself when you're about to take the Lord's Supper, you are drinking judgment on yourself. And it says in verse 30, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. I mean, Paul has a lot to say about the Lord's Supper. And he's saying, listen, if you're drinking this in an unworthy way and you go home and you're sick in a little bit, like, you should not be surprised, right? Because this is such a serious thing that we do as a church. And it is for you and I as Christians, right, to have something in our hands, something to taste, something to touch, something to consume that reminds us of the awesome sacrifice of Christ. <clears throat> what I want to do is I want to read Matthew. And as I read Matthew, after that I want to take some time and I want us to examine ourselves. And I want us to take a moment of prayer for you to get your life right when it comes to taking the Lord's Supper. Now, if you're not a Christian in here, uh, this would be a great moment for you uh, to examine uh, the destruction in your life thus far, to examine uh, perhaps what God would be doing in your life as far as convicting you of sin, convicting you of judgment. And it would be amazing for your testimony to be one that says, you know, I was taking the Lord's Supper and the pastor said, you're not allowed to take the Lord's Supper if you're not a Christian. I realized my sin, I recognize it. And it was at uh, the first communion service at Compass Bible Church Hill Country that I repented of my sins and trusted in him. It'd be a great testimony, okay? Uh, and maybe that is you. But if it's not, you at least can sit here while we're uh, examining ourselves as Christians and uh, think about the truth of the word that was spoken to you this morning when it comes to the judgment that is coming and the storms, not only that's going on right now, but the storm that's coming in the eternal judgment of God. Now, for the Christian, this is an opportunity for us to examine our lives and say, hey, you know, have I been faithful and obedient to the gospel? Have I been faithful and obedient to the words of God? Let me read this for you. Matthew 26, starting in verse 26 through 29. It says, Now, as they were eating, and you know they were eating the Passover, right? The Passover. 
I mean, literally, as the disciples were, were taking this, uh, this dinner, they were doing it for the Passover, which was the Old Testament feast, right, of atonement, right? That, that you know, in the Exodus, you see that uh, the angel of the Lord passed over the homes, right? And whoever had sacrificed the lamb, put the blood over the doorposts, right? The angel of the Lord would pass over those houses and they wouldn't kill the firstborn because that was the realize the problem there is God said, hey, I'm going to come over and I'm going to kill all the firstborns of all the people, of all the animals, of all the livestock, of all the things in the land of Egypt. I am going to kill all the firstborn. But if you would sacrifice the lamb, put it over, put the blood over the lintel of your home, I'm going to pass over it. I'm not going to sacrifice the firstborn. And so they're eating this dinner to commemorate the Passover. These, these disciples are in their upper room and they're eating this. And this is what Jesus says. He took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take this and this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. I want you to see the power that God had the Passover. They were celebrating the Passover, and Jesus said, there's a new Passover. And it's called the new covenant. And it is me who is going to spill the blood. And it is me whom if you would put the blood of me on you, that is, that you would accept the atonement of my blood for your sins, God's judgment will pass over you. And the beautiful thing about what this is, it's the continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's always been Jesus. In Exodus, it was always Jesus. Right? In the New Testament, it was always Jesus. And the answer in our life when it comes to sin and the judgment of God, it's always Jesus. And so when we take this little wafer, which is such an inadequate element of what it really means to remember what Christ has done, it is, in fact, the time for us to remember what Christ has done. That God is passing over our sins because of the blood of Christ, because it was his body who took the place of our body. And it was his blood that substituted for our blood. And so when we take this in a moment, after we examine ourselves, that's what we do. That's why we do this. And that's why we take it in a worthy manner. That's why we don't just rip it off and tip it up and, and, and chew on it and then walk out, because that's not how we take the gospel. We take the gospel for what it is. We examine ourselves. We make a decision on it, and we live our life according to it. So what I want us to do right now is I want you to bow your head. And I'm going to take a minute or two minutes, and I want you to pray. I want you to examine your life. If there's areas in your life you need to repent in, and I expect there is for all of us, time to pray to God. Examine your life so that we can take this Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. So go ahead and pray now, and in a moment, I'll step back up and we'll take the Lord's Supper.
God, as we are about to take in communion together, I just pray that as we've examined our own hearts and our own intentions, our own minds, our own lives, that we would, as we look forward in 2022, that we would submit our lives to you. That as we take part in communion, that as we take the wafer and when we drink the cup, that God, we would uh, remember the sacrifice, the atonement that you made on our behalf that we would be able to have lives that withstand storms, that we would be able to have lives that the judgment of God passes over. So God, as we take this now, I just pray, God, that we would remember you, that we would anticipate your second coming, and until then, eagerly await your arrival. In Christ, I pray. Amen. You can take your communion. pray with me once more as the band comes up. God, we do pray, I mean, as much as was gone on this morning, that it's just exciting to look forward to what you're going to do as we look forward to moving to a new uh, building, as we look forward to uh, uh, taking on 2022 uh, with the eager expectation of all you're going to do. But God, to not be fooled into not understanding and knowing that we're definitely going to have trials and storms in our lives and that, that we would approach them in obedience, that we would approach them the way that we ought to. I just pray that doing communion this morning was a great start to the year, that we could uh, reset our lives, that we could examine ourselves to see uh, how we have fared over the last, last year, that we could this year uh, submit our lives to you, that we could this year uh, make a commitment, not just a resolution that, that fails, but a, a true commitment to say, uh, this year, I'm going to live my life for you. I'm going to do everything with ultimate obedience to your word. So God, as we finish with worship this morning, God, hear our worship. God, let it be acceptable in your sight. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.